Morning. Uh, you want to turn to Daniel 9? <clears throat> in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahadaris, in the lineage of the Medes, was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the numbers of the years specified by the work of, by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of, Je- of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquities. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the Lord land. O O Lord, righteousness belongs to you. But to shame us a face as it is this day to the king of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame a face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God, belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written by the law of Moses, a servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us, and against our judges who judged against us, by bringing upon a great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, your God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourselves a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, your God, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is caused by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountains of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, which I had been, which I had seen in the vision of the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly and reached me about the time of the evening offering and being informed 
me and and talked with and he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your your supplications the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved, therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. Lord God, we just uh, come before you, we we just uh Lay this time before you. We ask that you would bless Jackie. Uh, give him the, the courage to speak the truth, uh, wisdom to what to say, and give him the give him the anointing that you give your servants. Uh, in your name, we pray. Amen. If there's ever a time we needed Daniel's prayer, it'd be now, no? I think there's some important things for us to kind of glean because they're necessary, I think, in Daniel's time for for what God did. One of the things that encourages me about uh, Daniel and the exile, Scripture doesn't record anybody else ever being a part of what I do. Am I dead? I'm alive. Ah. Better now? I didn't turn all the way on. You forgive me? So scripture doesn't record anybody else being at prayer meetings with Daniel. Scripture also doesn't record a Daniel, one of two characters in the Bible of which the scripture doesn't indicate a sin. I'm not saying he didn't sin, it just doesn't tell us any. And we look at him and we think, of all the people that really needed to confess their sins to the Lord, surely there were others. What Daniel chapter 9 teaches us is that we, God's people, are responsible for where the world is right now. We spend a lot of time in our generation pointing a finger at somebody else. But what God is saying is, he doesn't say, if all those crazy sinners will humble themselves and pray. Is that what he says? What's he say? If who? My people? wonder why he's calling them. Because it's our responsibility. Not somebody else's. We keep sitting around waiting for the great white hope to save us. Well, he's already been here died on the cross for you and me. He said all authority has been given to him, and he said, I therefore send you. Go. We have responsibility. Now, there's a lot of problems. You ever notice how many problems there are? You spend any time looking? Oh my gosh, there's so many problems. What do we need to do? We need to do what Daniel did. We need to do what he did. We need to see in his prayer the call to arms for a nation. Because the the same place, his nation's in exile, they have nothing, it's all over, it's all done. But he thinks they're, they're near the end of their judgment. And so God leads him, God guides him, God directs him in a prayer that I think is so important for us to be able to pull from. It says in verse 1, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the books, and the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. The first thing that drove him to prayer, guys, that we need to understand is the word of God. Nowadays, it's so easy just to brush the Word of God under a table somewhere and say, well, that don't apply, that doesn't really matter. You know what? God will forgive me. It doesn't matter what I do, how I live, what I say, where I go. It's no big deal. What's the big deal? You know, God's a God of love, and we're all, it's all good. But Daniel's spending time in the Word of God and saying, man, we're a mess. Because here's God's 
requirement. Here's God's desire. Here's God's will. Here's what God wants for his people. And here's where we are. It should lead us to a place like it led Daniel to humility. But the word of God, believing God's word, led him to prayer. Jeremiah 25 verse 11 says, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. And it will come to pass, when seventy years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their sin, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. So I will bring on that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah has prophesied concerning all the nations. So Daniel's reading Jeremiah. Jeremiah was writing at the time of Daniel. Daniel's probably pretty close to his 80s right now, probably mid-80s, coming, coming toward the end of his life. It's rapidly approaching. And as, that, as that's going on, where's he at? He's reading the Word of God. He's spending time in the scrolls. It wasn't easy to get. He couldn't just go to Walmart and pick one up. He has to go look for a scroll of Jeremiah, and he's pouring through the scroll of Jeremiah, a hated prophet by the nation, because Jeremiah kept saying, look, we're not a great nation anymore. Jeremiah kept saying, we're a mess, we're broken, we're, God needs to judge us, to purge us, to cleanse us, so that we can rise from the ashes to be who God wants us to be. And so Daniel's pouring through, and he says, man, 70 years, well, I came when I was 15, I'm 85. This time's about up. It's about up. It's about time for God to turn the people loose. But he recognizes that what the Word of God is calling him to do in Jeremiah 29 is for the people to pray. Look what it says, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Here's one we know. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and go and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. God says, man, the end of the 70 years, you're going to pray and you're going to seek me with all your heart. And the only place in Scripture where I see that happen is Daniel. Daniel goes after the Lord with his whole heart. We see the angel Gabriel when he comes to him. What's he call him? Much what? Beloved of God. Much beloved of God. The Lord said, you'll seek me. You'll come and you'll pray and you'll find me because you're going to seek me with all your heart. And we want to see change reflected in our communities, guys. It's not about any of the other stuff that we're doing. It's about that. That is how change happens. That is how change is wrought when God's people have this attitude. And look how he approached God. He knows him, right? He says, I'm going to turn my face toward you. I'm going to come before you. And then look at the attitude. He is so concerned in prayer. You guys got to understand this because nowadays we do this thing where we plan a fast, right? We do a Daniel fast every year. We do 21 day fast, which we'll understand more about as we get further on into the book of Daniel. We plan it, we set it aside, we do this fast. That's not how they fasted then. You know why Daniel's fasting? Because he's so bent on finding the Lord, on seeking God, on humbling himself before the Lord, and seeking uh, in repentance for God to touch and change his life, that he's, it's more important to him than eating. So he just keeps praying. And the first meal passes, and he just keeps praying. And the next meal passes, and he just keeps praying. Because more than he wants food, more than he wants drink, more than he wants anything else, he wants God to touch his life. He wants God to, to stop the judgment. He wants God to open up the floodgates so that the nation can return to the greatness they had once upon a time. 
And that was so important to him, he could not stop praying. And then it says, not only did he pray with fasting, but also in sackcloth and ashes. That's a, a step of humility. Humility. Yeah, I wasn't in his fancy duds or with his fancy stuff or with fancy words or any of that. It's like Job laying in a pile of ash, throwing ash up, at the, up in the air and just weeping out and crying for God after every one of his children had been killed. Just think about the kind of passion that would be in your heart. The emotion that would be in your heart for that. Because that's the greatest picture of the humility of prayer. Coming before God, throwing your arms up into heaven, throwing ash in the air and saying, Man, I'm broke. This is a mess. Just pouring out everything inside of you to God. And so passionate and so consumed by that, the meals come and go. No eyes on the clock. See, God said in Jeremiah 29, when you seek me like that, you're going to find me. And I will hear. And I will answer. And we need to seek God that way. Most of the time, I mean, if we're honest, we just come on Sunday for an inoculation, don't we? I got to go get my church shot. (laughs) Show up. You know, I got to suffer through Jackie. (laughs) He's talking for an hour and a half and he's only supposed to talk for 40 minutes. And, you know, all this stuff that, that we do, we go, we punch our card, we get it done. But God's looking for that passion, man. That passion. And Daniel knew God and Daniel loved God until Daniel, he humbles himself. What's the scripture say? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and what? He'll lift you up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Well, guys, that's what our nation needs to do. We're too busy being proud. And look, I bled for her too. I love this nation. I ran around in the sand, in the, in the mud, and, and I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to do it. But right now, we don't need to be a proud nation. We need to be a humble nation. A humble nation who is bowing before God. Nobody else is going to do it, guys. None of our our presidential candidates, barring a miracle of God, are going to fall down on their face before Almighty God in an act of humility and ask God to have mercy on us as a nation. Nor does the Word of God call them to. The Word of God tells us to. He says, my people. That's us. Not somebody else's job. It's ours. It's our job, something that God wants to see us do. Now look at verse 4. We're going to see that, that there are several things that Daniel recognizes. He, he's going to have a recognition of sin and willingness to acknowledge it before God. And there are several key things that he recognizes about God. Six things that Daniel sees that we see in this beginning of the prayer. Beginning in verse 4. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said... O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. The first thing he recognizes, we have a relationship with you. You are the God of the covenant to us. That's what Yahweh is. Yahweh, you know, Yahweh was never revealed until Moses, right? Well, look at Exodus. Exodus chapter 6, verse 2. It says, And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But as Yahweh, I did not appear to them. What he's saying is Abraham and Isaac and Jacob didn't know him like Moses. God's revealing more of himself to Moses. Because I'm the God of the covenant, Moses. I'm the God of the covenant, the promises. But by my name, Yahweh, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my promise. Covenant. 
the God of the covenant. Daniel says, I know who you are, God. You're the God of the promise. You made us a promise. Old Testament, that works great. Has God not made us a promise? Or maybe we don't have a promise of a land. Maybe we don't have a promise of a temple or a place where God will write His name. But you have a promise from God Almighty for us to to walk with Him. To say that I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm here with you. That you are more than conquerors through Christ who loved you. That nothing can separate us from a love of God. Not a thing can separate us. That there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, there are so many rich and bountiful promises. God's still the God of the covenant. Do you know who He is? Because people who can wallow in sin and say God's going to forgive me, you don't know who God is. You don't know Him. Yeah, he don't, he's not down with that at all. He's not down with that. Will he forgive you? Yeah, God's a God of forgiveness. God's a God of love. He's also the God of wrath. He's also a just God who hates sin. And if we just look at it like it's no big deal, you don't know him. If you can wallow in sin all week long, like, oh man, I just love this and I don't have to worry about it. God will forgive me. You don't know him. Because if you know Him, the Scripture says, you love what He loves. And you hate what He hates. That we take on, Daniel knew Him. Daniel knew Him, you're the the God of the promise, you're the God of the covenant. That's the first thing he recognized. The next thing he recognizes, he recognizes their, him included, their nation's open rebellion to God. Look what he says. Verse 5. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. We have rebelled against you. Listen, folks, we have rebelled against God. Man, it's so sad. So sad to go on a Wednesday, stand with Bill outside Planned Parenthood. Because every woman who walks in that day is killing a baby. Our country says, it's cool, it's all right. At least one of the candidates for president is like, wants to get it to be more open, more free, more available. You know what God says about it? God says, I never even, it never even entered into my mind that you would kill your children. More than 50 million in the U.S. Nowhere else. Yeah, we rebelled against God. We look at all the craziness going on in our world today and we say, we got all, this, all these issues about transgender and we got all these issues about homosexuality and we all just want to chuck the Bible out the door and say, you know, pitch this thing because it's too old and it's got all these old outdated ideas then you don't know God. That's His Word. We have rebelled. That's what Daniel said. You know that they were doing the exact same things we're doing today? You know that? You know Leviticus has laws about transgender? Probably didn't know that. And that it has laws about homosexuality and how we should relate with our neighbors and how we should deal with those things. People just know what they think they know, but they don't know what they know. If they don't spend any time in God's Word and learn and understand what God's Word is teaching, then they'll, they'll understand what, God's, what directions God's given us. And we can say, you know what? God told me. I don't need a, a bunch of judges wearing fancy robes to tell me what they, what's right or wrong. I'll tell you what's right or wrong. God's Word tells me what's right or wrong. And when we give dark for light... When we give bitter for sweet, when we give evil for good, then we have rebelled against God. And God's not calling all those people out there that are a mess. That don't, they don't get it. They don't know Jesus. They're not. What, what, who's He calling? Us. My people. My people come and pray. 
we have rebelled. We refuse to live in obedience to God's law and God's will. Look at verse 6. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. Oh, not only have we rejected your law, not only have we rejected your will, but we reject your people. We reject the prophets. We reject those who proclaim the word. Look, you want to know what it is to be rejected? Say, tell Bill. Bill, I want to come hang out with you. Every single day, Bill, so faithful. I love that guy. Every single day, Bill stands outside Planned Parenthood. You might not agree with that, but be honest, I don't care if you do. We're going to do it until Jesus comes back. But he stands out there, and he holds a sign that says, Babies are murdered here. You know why? Because babies are murdered there. And he stands there by himself. Like a lone beacon of light in the darkness. And people drive by and throw food. People drive by and curse at him. They hired a security guard, uh, which I think is cool. I'm glad Planned Parenthood's having to spend some extra money. They hired a security guard. Bill, he just stands on the sidewalk and hands people tracks and tries to tell them, look, there's a better option than what you're doing. Man, that's, they reject, absolutely reject that's our world, man. If you think it looks somehow different, you're crazy. That's the world. You make a stand for God, that's what it looks like. I don't care. Maybe this ain't your thing. You, your, your thing is something different, some other issue. There's plenty of them. Believe me. Yeah, you know there's a gender revolution in Twin Falls, right? The gender revolution. What do you think their agenda is? I'll be more than happy to tell you. It's Twin Falls, Idaho. Not Palm Springs, California. Right here. Sending their information to grade schools. Why? Why waste their time with you? You're old and set in your ways. Right? That's the world, man. That's the world. And God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray. So the second thing, Daniel recognized their rebellion against God. Next, he recognized the result of that sin. Look at it. O Lord, verse 7, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all of Israel, those near, those far off, and all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. The result of the sin, shame of face. We're separated, broken, mess, whatever words you want to use. Could have used a lot of things here, but he says, to us belongs shame of face. Man, we need to hide our eyes. No proud. Humility. David says, this is the result of our sin. We're separated from the God of the promise. Next, we see that they resisted God himself. Look at verse 9. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants and prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written against the law of Moses against the, or by the servant of God has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. We have resisted God himself, his people, his word. Sin is separating us. We have resisted The work of God. How? By rebelling against the Lord. By not obeying the Lord. We have sinned against Him. Think about what David wrote. Psalm 51. Great turning point for David. After the sin with Bathsheba, what's he say? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity or from my sin. Cleanse me. From my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. 
and against you. And you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Man, David's like, God, it's true. It's all true. This is me. This is who I am. That's the heart. Think of the story Jesus told about the two guys that go before God. One guy all righteous and religious looking on the outside. And all he can do is thank God about how he doesn't look like that guy, doesn't look like that guy, doesn't look like that guy. But the other one, a tax collector, a sinner, beats his breast, falls on his knees before God and says, Have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm a sinner. Jesus said, that one left justified. That's the heart that God's looking for from his people. That's the heart that God's looking for to turn our nation around. Next we see he recognized the righteousness of God in judgment. Look at verse 12. And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole of heaven, such as never been done, has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God. All this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God. That we might turn from our iniquity and understand the truth. Therefore the Lord has kept this disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works He does. Though we have not obeyed His voice. Yeah, Daniel says, God, you're right. Every judgment you're bringing, you're right. Every life you took, everything you have done has been right. We are a mess. He says, according to your word, according to the promise that you made us. I just want you guys to hear it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it uh, kind of quick. Leviticus chapter 26. Because I just want you to see, this is not something that comes on to people. People go, oh Lord, I didn't know this was a problem. Oh yeah, no, trust me brother, you knew. You knew. Here's what the Lord says in Leviticus chapter 26, beginning at verse 14. If you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments so that you do not perform all my commandments but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease, fever which will consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain. For your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you. And you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall obey me. And you shall flee. When no one pursues you. And after all this. If you do not obey me. Then I will punish you seven times more. For your sin. I will break the pride. Of your power. I will make your heavens like iron, your earth like bronze. Your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. And if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sin. I will also send wild beasts among you, which will rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, make you few in number, And your highways shall be desolate. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you. And I will punish you yet seven times more for your sin. And I will bring a sword against you, that you you will execute the vengeance of the covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you. And you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy." When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women will break your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight, and you will eat it, but won't be satisfied. 
After all of this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons. You shall eat the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, cast your carcasses on lifeless forms of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries to desolation. I will not smell the fragrance of your sweet aromas. I will bring the land to desolation. Your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land will be desolate, your cities waste. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate and you are with your enemies in their land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest. For the time it did not rest on your Sabbath when you dwelt in it. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a shaking leaf will cause them to flee. They shall flee as though fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall though no one pursues. They shall stumble over one another, as it were before a sword, when no one pursues, and you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. You shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And those of you who are left shall waste away in the iniquities of your enemies' lands. Also in their fathers' iniquities, which are with them, they shall waste away. But if they confess their iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers, and the unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, and that they have also walked contrary to me, and that I also have walked contrary to them, and have brought them to the land of their enemies, if their uncircumcised hearts are humbled, and they accept their guilt, then I will remember my promise with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham. I will remember, I will remember the land. The land also shall be left empty by them and will enjoy its Sabbath while it lies desolate without them. They will accept their guilt because they despise my judgments, because their soul hated my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, nor shall I hate them to utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them. For I am Yahweh their God. But for their sake I will remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. That's God's, that's judgment. The judgment of God, written in the pages of Scripture when His people lose their way. The purpose is not punishment. What's the purpose? Stop. Turn around. Why you go that way? No different than the purpose for which we discipline our own children. That they stay safe. That they're where they need to be, doing what they need to do. Finally, in verse 15, Daniel focuses on this. <coughs> redemption of God is our only hope. The redemption of God. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. Everything is based on God's ability to redeem. What did God say? If they turn, if they humble, if they cry out to me, I will hear them. If they bang their fist on the ground and blame me for all their troubles. When they humble themselves, when they seek me with all their heart, when they look to me, I will hear them. I will heal. I will forgive. That's what God tells us. All these requests for mercy that we see throughout the pages of this prayer are based on four things. First, it's based on God's character. Look at God's character in verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteousness I pray, 
Let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sin and for the iniquity of our fathers Jerusalem and your people are reproached to all those around us. It's based on God's character. According to your righteousness, turn your anger away, God. Everything you've done is right. Everything you've done is right. But here we are turning to you. Here we are crying out for forgiveness. We acknowledge our guilt. And God's mercy will come. Because it is also just for God to restore the nation. That's the promise he made, right? Mercy is also based on God's concern. Look at verse 17. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant in his supplication. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary. For whose sake? You know, most of the time when we pray, it's for our sake, isn't it? God, I need this. God, I need that. God, help me with this. I'm not saying those are bad things. We should make petition. But Daniel here, he's, he's praying for God's mercy according to God's own concern. He's, he's considering God above himself. He's seeing God is elevated in that place. And he's saying, man, God, for your sake... For your sake. So that you would be honored. So that you can be glorified. That's the heart of his call for mercy from God. That it would be the Lord's sake. He would cause his face to shine on his sanctuary which is desolate, destroyed. It's his work. Is it God's concern that brings us to prayer? Third, it's based on God's compassion. Verse 18. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations. The city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your mercy. Why do we call on God's name? Why do we go before Him? It's not because of us. It's not because there's something in us. There's not some great issue that we bring to the table. We can come to the Lord because He's good and merciful. But we can't, we don't come to the Lord demanding. We don't come to the Lord proclaiming our greatness. We come to the Lord in humility. We come to the Lord admitting our guilt. We come to the Lord like that man Jesus told us about, beating our breast and saying, as me, I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. That's how we seek God's mercy. That's how we seek the compassion that the Lord has. And that's what exactly what Daniel's doing. Incline your ear. Open your eyes. See us. This city... Because we're here only for one reason, God, to, to, to come before you on the basis of your mercy. On the basis of your compassion. And finally, it's, it's based on God's call. Look at it. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God. It's your city and your people called by your name. Who are the people? They're His. When He says, if my people will come, my people will come, humble themselves and repent, come in humility, admitting their guilt, seeking His mercy and compassion, God says, then I hear, because you're my family. I called you. I've adopted you. You are accepted in the Beloved. In Christ. And because of that, because of God's calling and His mercy and His compassion and His concern in the character of God, God will hear that prayer. And if we don't pray it, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just roll back to Leviticus 26 and read it. I look at Leviticus 26, that long section that I read, and I think, my God, how many of these things are happening in our life every day and we don't even notice them. We're just blinded to it. 
And we continue headlong into judgment. And we look outside the doors as though somebody out there is going to come and rescue us and save us. But you know what? God never said, look, while I'm away preparing a place for you, what I want you guys to do is nothing. And just pray that I rescue you when it gets bad. Where do you, where's that verse at? That ain't in there. What do you say? You say, man, go, tell, share the gospel, kick the light, make a difference in that dark world. If nothing else, humble yourself, admit your guilt, cry out to God for forgiveness because you and I are guilty. The nation got where it is today because you and I are guilty. Somebody else didn't do this. And if we won't accept our own guilt, just like Daniel did, then the captivity is not over yet. But you know what? God's long-suffering and patient. And He'll keep waiting. He just turned up the fire. How much fire is it going to take? How much fire? And if we still, if we run around looking to the political process to save us, oh, the political process is going to solve all our problems. Okay, look, I'm 50 something, and the political process hadn't helped us an iota. So I'm not saying rebel from it, get out of it. I'm just saying that's not God. Those are men and women. That are just as messed up as you and I. And to be honest, I don't think we'd do any better. Because we got the same problems. What do we need to do? Humble ourselves before the Lord. What did He say? I'll lift you up. So, how long do I humble myself? It'll just stay there. Just, man, we need to stay on our face. And don't get up. We need to stay on our face and cry in God. Forgive. Forgive our apathy. Forgive our lack of action. And fix me. And if God answers that prayer for me and you, things are going to start to change. But if all the time we have is to throw up a quick prayer, yeah, God, it'd be cool if you would forgive me and fix all this stuff in me, and we go on about our day. Revelation 6 through 19, take a look. That's the future. Love the prayer of Daniel. Happens before some of the greatest prophecies we're going to read. But it seems so important for us right now to get it. Don't it? Like it's not somebody else. It's not something else. It's not some other problem out there. It's me. It's me. Personal. Make it personal. Daniel, a man of whom we know not one sin... A kid who had every reason to be mad at God. Who was snatched out of his family at the age of 15. Turned into a eunuch. Never had a wife. Never had a family. Never had children. Never had any of those things. I'm sure somewhere in the back of his mind he would have liked those things. Didn't have any of those things. Was he bitter at God? No bitterness at God. No anger at God. No frustration at God. And here he is. After all the great things we've seen him do, as we went through chapters 1 through 6, and all the events of his life, and here he is, on his face, weeping and crying that God would forgive him. And that becomes the impetus for God bringing the people back out of captivity and putting them back in the land. Maybe there's a Daniel here today. Just takes one. We want our world to change. We want things to look up then. 
we have to recognize that's something that God wants from every single one of us. Just the last part. Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, (coughs) for the holy mountain of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, he didn't even finish the prayer, Gabriel came. The one I had seen in a vision at the beginning, he flew to me swiftly. That's pretty fast flying, by the way, for an angel. Reached me about the time of the evening offering. So this is all day prayer. Don't miss that. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplication, the command went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Don't you know that's what God's going to tell you? As soon as Daniel was on his face, God told Gabriel, go! You tell him, I love him. But that's how he loves us. When we stand before him in reality as we need to stand. Amen? Would you stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now, Lord Jesus, and we pray, God, that we need a healer. We need somebody who can reach down into our hearts and just take out the garbage. We just let it pile up. God, you are the potter and I am the clay. Scrape it out. Dig it out. Because we, your people, want to come before you in prayer and say, I'm the problem. God, we pray that you would work in the hearts of your people. Turn our eyes toward you. Pray, God, that uh, this... Memorial Day, as we remember men and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our nation would be the day that your church fell on her face. And you heard. And you healed. In Jesus' name.